0: This conference is all about bringing together that powerful triumvirate, people, capital, and ideas.
1: In 2015, the Paris Climate Accords set the target of limiting global warming to well below two degrees. To reduce the disastrous effects of climate change, we need a whole economy approach. Business, government, and finance working together, taking swift action to reduce emissions Supporting and championing the innovators in cleantech. Promoting leadership that sees decarbonisation as an opportunity. An opportunity for innovation. An opportunity for global collaboration. An opportunity to build a better world for the future generation. The people here today. The people driving this change. Welcome to Innovation Zero.
2: I think it's very easy to become despondent with the scope and scale of the challenges that we have. But I think the panelists that we've brought together today will give you some some reasons for optimism, actually, and actually taking some of this into our own hands and doing something about the challenges that we have actually makes a difference. Um, quick introduction for myself. Um, I'm CEO of British Patient Capital. British Patient Capital is a, a commercial subsidiary of the British Business Bank. We're here to invest in some of the most exciting technology companies um, in in the UK to help them on their journey and we have the transition to net zero as a central part of the mission um, that we have at the bank uh, in terms of where British patient capital can play uh, we invest through the market so we select leading fund managers that are aligned with our our mission and and strategy and they go on to invest in some of these baked ground- breaking technologies. And we'll hear some more about that today. Um, the transition to net zero is not just about um, high technology. It's about lots of other actions that we can take um, to get us into a, a better place in terms of carbon reduction. And we'll be addressing that on the panel as well, with especially with one of our panelists here. Um, I'm going to hand over to them to introduce themselves briefly themselves, and then I'll kick off with some questions. And then I would like to invite some questions from the audience um, as we get towards um, the the end of our session. But first of all, can I just hand over to each of our panelists to introduce themselves? Ladies first. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm
3: Estia Ryan from Eka Ventures, and we are an early stage impact fund investing in UK companies. When I say early stage, these are roughly, you know, one to two years old. Um, So at the forefront of technological innovation, we don't only invest in climate, we also invest in health and have a particular interest in the intersection between the two. Um, To date, we've made 15 investments across a range of companies, you know, ranging from more sustainable packaging, circular shoes um, and reverse logistics. So really excited to be here and thanks for having me. Thank you, Patrick.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Patrick Sheehan. I run a venture capital fund called ETF Partners, which stands for the Environmental Technologies Fund. So we invest a, a little bit further down the track, typically £5 million plus. Uh, when you're beginning to do a really great job, when you really want to go for it, that's the time to talk to us. Um, we've been doing this since 2006. I, I was in venture capital many years before, but but we, my, my colleague Rob and I, really believed in climate change back then and we thought we just needed to do something about it. So we've been on a mission for a long time um, and
4: hopefully now we're at the beginnings of something great with you.
2: Thank you. Scott.
4: Morning everybody. My name's Scott Marshall. I'm the Founder and Managing Director of Roma Finance. We're a non-bank lender. We started lending in 2010 um, and since we started in business we've lent just under uh, 500 million pounds on two and a half thousand transactions. Um, And our mission is to help solve the UK housing crisis. And more recently, we've seen that more and more of the projects that we've been funding, um, our customers are building um, eco-friendly properties.
2: Thank you. So let's kick kick off with some questions for our panelists today. Um, We know that the, the transition is often considered as a sort of capital intensive one. So I'd like to start with talking about the sources of funding that you have for your operations, and I suppose how easy or challenging is it for you to raise the capital that you need to execute the strategies that you have for your respective businesses? May I start uh, with you again on that challenge of, you know, finding LPs and finding sufficient LPs to, you know, fund your ambitious plans as well? I think we've been really lucky at ECA Ventures to have
3: most of our LPs being impact dedicated, which means we get a lot of help actually, you know, rolling out our own impact strategy, which has been exciting. I guess one stat that I think of when thinking about, you know, the capital dedicated to impact, it's grown 10x in the past 10 years. So putting that in numbers, that's one trillion dollars of impact capital across venture, private equity, and public markets. That's a big number, but we still have a lot of room to grow. That's 1% of global AUM. So while there's a lot of capital availability, I still think we can have more dedicated funding
2: as well to to venture specifically. Thank you, Patrick.
1: So our our funding is largely from institutions, from British Patient Capital and other similar organizations. Thank you very much. The majority of it comes from insurance companies and pension funds, and they are driven by making money and return as are we. And the trick is that it, that is congruent with very big impact, right? So so
4: that's that's alignment of interest is the whole secret of success in our business, in fact. Yeah, I'll, I'll make no secret of the of, of the fact that when I started the business um, 13 years ago, it was nigh on impossible um, to get funding to help us get off the ground. Uh, and, in fact, I took equity out of my own house um, to get the business off the ground. Um, and fast forward 13 years, and with the track record that we've got, um, we've now we've now got funding lines from um, syndicate of banks, building societies, um, VC debt funds, uh, the British Business Bank, and also we're about to complete a transaction this week where one of the local um, uh, combined authorities is lending into our business to help us help us grow and solve their uh, help solve the, the the housing problem in the northwest of England.
2: So is it fair to say that? It's getting better.
4: Yeah, we've really as we've as we've built a track record, so we found it easier to raise money.
2: So it's about the maturity of your track record and, exactly. and business concept. I'd like to move now down a level to the opportunities that you're looking to fund and support, and perhaps tell the audience why that's going to make a difference. I suppose in in terms of the theme for today. Um, Scott, should we start with you?
4: Yeah, the, it, it's really interesting how things have evolved, particularly over the past few years. Um, we're seeing more and more local authorities, when they're issuing planning consents, require that the developer that um, one of the conditions, a number of the conditions of the planning consents, that the developer uh, installs in the properties, whether it's EV charges, better insulation, better soundproofing, um, a, 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 a better EPC, whatever it is. Um, we found that actually local planning authorities are helping the cause by insisting on um, green ideas and green initiatives within the properties that get built. Patrick? So um, we, we focus on companies that are up
1: and running with revenue and, and beginning to look at very rapid expansion or or indeed are already expanding very rapidly and, and typically the, addressing exciting and large uh, markets. Um, we've been doing this for many years and over those years have honed into an area where I think venture capital can be most effective, um, which, which is what I would call the intelligence layer on top of infrastructure. Uh, and part of the reason for that is we can roll out things very fast and therefore have a, an impact very fast. We, 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 we tend not to do big engineering projects that might take 20 years to come to fruition. You know, we, Climate change is urgent now and we really want to, to see impact today. So when we talk to people, we're very concerned about the the impact they're going to have as well as the profit they're going to have.
2: Thank
3: you. So there's, it's hard to pick one area that I'm excited about. I think just being in this conference center, you see so many exciting theses and ideas. If I have to pick one where we've most recently made an investment, it'd be the home decarbonization space. So we've made an investment in a really early company that's looking to shift your energy demand from peak times to non-peak times and over the course of the year that translates to saving consumers like 300 pounds in their energy bills which is super exciting um, so you, you have that cost saving but then you also have the fact that you know 30 percent of the UK's energy or um, greenhouse gas emissions is from residential energy use so kind of like what Patrick's saying we're trying to do both the impact and the financial return for shareholders but also consumers as well
2: thank you so let's go down to that next level because I'm sure there'll be entrepreneurs and business owners in the room. So if somebody wants to raise capital from from you, what sort of propositions would would resonate? Um, maybe Patrick, let's let's start.
1: Um, be, there'd be propositions that we find exciting, which is in a very human terms. We we're, we're, when we invest in companies, we're we're engaged. We're on the board. We're working with the the founders and the entrepreneurs and so frankly we need to get on and believe that there's something big and worthwhile happening so so the human level we would emphasize to a very high degree Um, but 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 actually then we need to see there's going to be a scale of impact and a scale of value creation which is going to make a difference and that that's always a challenge right because it, it by definition we're doing new things and so we will take risk we will we will take some things on trust but we need to understand there's ambition coupled with realism um, and, the, and the willingness to grow a business as well as just be the entrepreneur.
3: Estelle, Yeah, so totally agree on the founder alignment point. Um, we spend a lot of time with founders making sure that you're in it for the impact motivation as well as you know the financial motivation. That's number one. Um, the second one I'd flag is measurability. So the same way that with a lot of venture firms, you'll pitch and say, you know, we're at 1 million ARR, we're at 1 million revenue, like you should also come into the pitch saying we're delivering this amount of impact, or we think we can achieve this amount of carbon reduction. So early data points on the, the unit economics of your impact, I think is like really, really important.
4: Okay, so slightly different answer from me, obviously, um, what we're looking to, to, to fund are, are small SME house builders that the banks are not able to support. Um, that are creating a product that's in or near an urban area, near schools, hospitals, universities, on major transport routes, um, where we know that the end product is going to meet a local demand and the market is going to be liquid.
2: Okay, great. Um, the last question before we, we open it up. Um, what do you think are the biggest challenges or perhaps opportunities that you have in your business You know, looking into the next... Um, year to 18 months let's keep it very focused to near term
1: uh, so uh, these days we we we're, we feel we're surrounded by opportunity and that that's that's great for us it's a challenge for the entrepreneurs actually because you know we're seeing over a thousand uh, companies a year um, a number of whom will get funded we want to invest in a small handful right so so actually I, I think it's about being selective for us and 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 if you're talking to us recognizing that we will be selective and so making things utterly compelling And, and compelling isn't easy so i think actually finding ways to hone what you're saying to to chat with others to rehearse to understand the weaknesses in your own arguments before you come to us is worthwhile we try to be approachable but we just get very busy right and so if you can uh talk to advisors the sort of advisors who really give good advice not necessarily just professional advisors and, and find people who know us to work through our network. That's that's really helpful.
2: Yeah. I mean just, just to build on that, the British Business Bank has um a finance hub, which is a, a website which has a lot of content which is designed for entrepreneurs to help them find where they can go next for their funding or what they would um some content that would help help get them investor ready to to your point, Patrick. So that might be something that you would be interested to look into, Exia.
3: Yeah, the way I'll answer that is slightly higher level. So we we all respectively play a very small part in the entire transition, and I think there's kind of a rising tide lifts all boats. Like we need to get regulation on board, we need to get consumer demand on board, we need to get talent moving into the right sectors. You know, there's been loads of layoffs. Why not come to impact? Um, we need to get you know more investors involved. So I think harmonizing all of that. Good intent into action is kind of why we're all here today. Um, But that's what I'm excited, but also scared about.
4: So we we see some uh, challenges on a national level, on a local level, and also in an industry level as well. So if I if I deal with each one of those on a national level, we are uh, seeing certain um, issues. For example, around nutrient neutrality, which are preventing um, house building in areas where house houses and new properties are required. That's number one. I think that issue has been around for the past. two years and it kind of, it started around the Solent area and, and has spread to much of the south and uh, east of England. Um, hopefully we're, we're nearing a resolution um, on that problem. Um, on a local level we've seen that local, there's been material delays in local planning authorities granting consents for new schemes um, and then within an industry level um, we've seen that um the surveyors and valuers are yet to really appreciate and understand that the end product, which is more energy efficient, actually commands a higher value in the market when it's completed, okay? And, and actually, that's a real mind shift, shift change that's got to happen in order that our uh, customers can go and put the investment into the schemes in the first place, um, that where they know that they're going to get the, the value at the end, because it, effectively everything is all tied in together.
2: It's a a really important point, and I think that's the transition that we've seen um, with the institutional community in in very recent times, that you can have impact and actually it's financially beneficial as well. What we want to do, of course, is to create both, um, but it doesn't have to be one or the other, which is probably where the thinking was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Well, let's let's open it up to um, the audience here, if anyone has a question.
0: Uh, my name is Paul Camp. Um, I have a background in finance. I created the world's first green bond under the Climate Bonds Initiative. And now there's $250 billion that have been certified. I've got a question for Scott Marshall, um, please. In terms of cost of capital, you're saying you were doing debt. Now, we've all seen short-term interest rates rise. And I just wondered how that's impacting things for you. And second part of my question is, I raised $50 million from the UK public from people like you to go out and develop and build solar farms so that you could get returns on your solar and then the returns on your solar because it was so high would then offset your energy costs in your energy bill. I just wondered, you know, what you're looking at doing in terms of structuring your financing, whether because you're doing, uh, you've got people buying houses and you've got the public, whether you're looking towards maybe doing something like that because then you're disintermediating the banks. You're going to a lower cost of capital and you're also benefiting the public who benefit from the returns, subject to risk, and then also you're getting it done much quicker. Thank you. Okay.
4: Thank you. I think maybe I should have got a pen and paper to write all the different questions yeah. down there. Um, let me just deal with the first one first, which is, at my age, the only one I can remember, um, which is that um, you're absolutely right, Paul, that the cost of capital has gone up. Okay, No doubt about it but what's also, and also the cost of materials has gone up and the cost of labour has gone up, um, and over the past few months in particular, we've seen house prices stagnate, okay? So effectively, you've got rising costs against a flat GDV, which means that a developer's margin is under pressure, okay? Um, What you tend to find is that while all those things are true, the most volatile value is the Um, the land at the beginning, or the unconverted uh, commercial property into Resi, okay? And developing is all about maintaining margin. And at times of economic stress, economic stress leads to volatility, volatility leads to opportunity, volatility leads to better buying opportunities that our customers can take advantage of, okay? And so if developing is all around maintaining margin, and a customer can buy better, And in particular, we're starting to see that a number of schemes are, you know, things are slowing down on the house building front. That means the availability of labour increases. The cost of labour comes down. Material suppliers are overstocked. They're doing discounts to offload stock. So all of a sudden, natural market, it starts to correct itself. And even if the GDVs do come off a little bit, actually developing is all around maintaining a margin. And a capital market will always be healthy um, in that way.
2: Thank you, Scott. I think Patrick wants to come in. Yeah, I was
4: business. going to generalise your question, actually, if I may, yes. because uh, we, we've
1: we've been in a remarkable era of capital abundance for several years. And, and in venture capital, that's just been weird, right? Um, there's been huge amounts of money sloshing around, often not wisely. And entrepreneurs occasionally have felt that success was was raising money rather than delivering great businesses. That era is dead, right? And we're very focused now on... Uh, thankfully, on creating real businesses that can get to cash positive, that, that can make a, a real difference in the world with with constrained amounts of money, sometimes very large amounts, but, but that era of capital abundance is frankly over and I, I think we'll all be better
4: for it.
2: Yeah. I think we have time for one more question. Is that right?
4: Yeah. Uh, Simon Holland from Barefoot Lightning. Um, we, we work globally uh, in the livestock sector, Uh, And a big issue there, obviously, is in in the cattle sector, is the burping methane. Because, you know, 70%, 80% of the cattle population is in these Global South countries, we've built a team in some of these countries to to, to do that. But now we've looked a few times at uh, British Business Bank funding, and it seems to be tied to we have to have 100% employees, UK employees, I don't know if I'm being misled or misunderstanding that or... um...
2: Yeah.
4: So so, so I had two questions. First, have I misunderstood? Second, do you guys have finance to get around that if that is the case?
2: Yeah. So there's there's not a very straightforward answer to that question because all of the programmes that we manage come with different criteria. Mm -hmm. But for all of our programmes, there is a strong UK component because, of course, we're investing taxpayers' money here So we want to make sure that that's feeding through into economic impact in the UK economy. Um, Also on agriculture, traditionally, that hasn't been an area that we've covered, but we're just starting to look at that now being in, let's say, a new new regime. um, And British Business Investments has supported um, a a non-bank funder that looks at the agricultural sector. So I'd encourage you to have a look at British Business Investments. It's a commercial subsidiary of the British Business Bank, and they're probably, you know, most ripe to have that conversation. Yes, I have a question. Um, The majority of impact
3: investors, from my experience, they're sort of shy away from dirty industries. They don't want to dive into decarbonizing oil refineries, for example, or because they want that investment targets to be clean and clear, you know, from this, I don't know, GHB capture, for example, or something like yeah. this. We realize that um, the fossil fuels still produce, what, 90% of the global energy or more, and things are not going to change very quickly, d- despite our efforts. So decarbonizing these dirty industries or, I don't know, metal production or something like this, you know. Um, could bring more significant change. At the same time, impact investors are not very eager doing this. What
2: do you think? Am I correct? Shall should, 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 should I just come in a little bit on, on that debate? And I'm going to take it a little bit broader than that, that question. But I said at the beginning, um, solving the climate crisis is not just about working with fast growing technology companies that have solutions. There's a whole SME community that we have to face into and bring with us. So I think in the way, and Julia is the expert on this, but we're looking to support all types of SMEs that will put themselves on the path to reduce their emissions. And we think that's an important part of the story as well as, you know, what technology solutions do we have? to get to where we need to be more quickly. So I, I absolutely understand the, um, the direction of the the question. Patrick, did you want to, to come
1: in? Yeah, yeah, this is a wonderful opportunity to, to rant for a minute. Um, and so I must take it, right? Because, because clearly the world needs to transition and so uh, old fashioned industries need to transition and be less dirty, but that's often just an excuse. And I think we need to get a bit more assertive about the need for real change with some of those industries we do need to just stop oil at some stage right rather than just allow it to meander towards some sort of fudge uh, and so I, I i think actually all of us need to need to step up to the plate we our, our focus isn't on heavy industry it's on technology but but we do find the use of technology in some quite old fashioned industries we have an investment in a in an ai software company that makes shipping probably 10 to 12% more fuel efficient And that's a small uh, amount of capital to create that company, but shipping is 3% of of global emissions. So 10% of that, 0.3% of the world's problem is addressed by a small equity investment. So so actually, even with technology, we can have big impact on on some of these old-fashioned industries.
3: If, If I can also come in on that. So I think the way that we like to think about it is like there's a Venn diagram of all the climate change issues that need to be solved. And then there's another circle of like, where venture capital can play a part and actually the intersection of the two is relatively unique that's not to say you shouldn't decarbonize oil but you need to be really smart about the way you deploy scalable technology in a venture setting one investment we've done in decarbonizing steel um, which again is you know 10 percent of greenhouse gas emissions um, is a software that plugs into existing steel plants um, and better optimizes the heat generation. So instead of overheating or underheating your steel, you're better managing that flow over time. Um, and again, going back to that point of saving money, you're saving money because you don't have to pay as high energy costs. But you're also saving um, carbon emissions because you're you're not overheating and underheating. So that's an example of where technology helps in that deep industry context but is still a venture style investment
4: so yeah let me me just give a a slightly different perspective which is that um obviously in the uk we've got an awful lot of old buildings that are not energy efficient and there's a big drive at the moment um, and i think this maybe come from government or whatever that that actually air source heat pumps are the solution to those older buildings and actually the opposite is true air source heat pumps will make those buildings far more inefficient and more expensive to run so actually the solution to those buildings um is either insulate them better number one or number two um and, we're, and actually there, there is a a pilot that's taking place in a village in Cheshire at the moment where existing gas boilers are being retrofitted to be able to take um, hydrogen along with um, gas in order to um, reduce the the, the the cost of running those older buildings. and the output from uh, or the output from 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 hydrogen obviously is water. okay so we can produce it ourselves in this country. We're not relying on overseas countries. Um, it can be, There's a simple adaptation that can be given to a, a, an existing gas boiler, um, and we can make those older properties. We might not be able to reduce all the waste energy that comes from them, but we can certainly make them more eco-friendly to run, and we can make them cheaper, and we can be less reliant on third-party countries for the for the energy that's required to heat them.
2: Perfect. Thank you. And I think heat pumps will have its place as well, perhaps in new builds.
4: In yeah, and... new build, where, where the insulation is already good on the building. Exactly. Buildings.
2: So I've been asked to bring this, one more question.
4: Hi, Estia. Um, as
0: an investor in the space, I can totally see that um, small place where venture meets climate. And it's a real shame because there's so much potential. There's going to be so much returns and a lot of interesting conversations I'm having is about how can we bring alternative funds of capital at this at the point of scale um, so in the U.S. we have the IRA, in, the, in Europe we have the Green Deal, but in the UK we have similarly, but it's not easy to access all these grants. So my question is, what sort of alternative financings you're seeing being accessed, and how easy is it to access this capital?
3: That's a that's a really good question, and one that we spend a lot of time working with our portfolio companies on. Um, it's true that once you have venture funding, I think a lot more pots of money open up. So that's, you know, particularly the you know Innovate UK grants, for example. I think there needs to be more innovation to be very candid around types of venture capital. So, for example, you know, patient capital, um, longer fund life cycles, um, access to debt funding. So impact debt is coming up to the fore. And that's something that we potentially didn't have back in, you know, climate tech 1.0. Um, so that's an innovation but on the whole, I think I agree with you that it's, it's still tricky
2: to get there, um, but the, the signs are pointing in the right directions. And just to build on that and probably to close this session, there's a, a lot of debate at the moment in the UK as to how we can persuade our domestic pension plans and asset managers to do more in this space. And I think that's part of the solution as well, because if you can bring in more capital at the top of the stack, that will filter through to, to funds and then eventually to more opportunities that are definitely out there. We, we have a demand and the supply um, imbalance, a radical imbalance, I would say at this point in time. Um, I'd like to thank all of our panelists for your insights and contributions. Thank you also to everyone who's joined us um, early this morning for this debate. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day here and I would summarize um, the whole discussion that we've been having by repeating something actually that's already been said by Estier, which is what we need to do is to harness intent and turn it into action. And I think that's what all our panelists and it's what the British Business Bank is about as well. So thank you everyone, enjoy the event.
1: To register your interest in attending, exhibiting, sponsoring, or speaking at Innovation Zero 2024, please go to www.innovationzero.com. We look forward to meeting you at Olympia in London on the 30th of April and the 1st of May 2024.